wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Now, please welcome at this time your hosts, Graham, GSM Matthews, and RJ Marceau. You're listening to the next era of wrestling radio. This is Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, December 7, 2023. I am Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and having a great week so far. We have a lot to get into here today from deadline predictions for Saturday's NXT show, Raw review, Dynamite review, some news and notes as well. But before any of that, tonight actually on Fight TV as we're talking right now on Thursday, December 7th, MLW is having their one-shot event. And on that show, former MLW World Heavyweight Champions will collide in Filthy Tom Lawler, and Satoshi Kojima, the first ever, I believe, MLW World Heavyweight Champion. I spoke to Lawler last week. He's on the show here today to talk all about the matchup, his return to MLW, his next AEW appearance, CM Punk's return to WWE, which is so random, but he actually tweeted about it uh, during Survivor Series, which is why I brought it up during our chat. It went up yesterday in written form over at DailyDDT.com and in video form on the YouTube channel, YouTube.com backslash WrestleRant. But I'm going to play the audio here today with Filthy Tom Lawler. I enjoyed the interview so much. And we'll get to that in a moment, but I do have to mention this real quick. The 2023 WWE AEW Year in Review Awards, the 11th annual over at WrestleRant.com. You can vote right now. Polls have been live since right after Raw on Monday night. You can vote for the Match of the Year, Feud of the Year, Male Wrestler of the Year, Female Wrestler of the Year, Moment of the Year, and so much more. We're breaking down the polls and the results and reviewing the results on the December 28th, 2023 edition of WrestleRant Radio. As always, as is tradition, the final edition of the show of the year, I'm heading into 2024. So vote right now. Vote maybe not the second after you're done listening to the show over on the homepage of WrestleRant.com and be sure to cast your vote before it's too late. Now, on that note, please welcome at this time my special guest for today. Before we get to Mr. Marceau on the back end, current MLW star, New Japan star, and former MLW World Heavyweight Champion, Filthy Tom Lawler. Graham Gieson Matthews here with Fansided.com. Today we're talking to Filthy Tom Lawler ahead of MLW One Shot next Thursday in Queens Melrose Ballroom. You're taking on Satoshi Kojima, Tom. Tom, what's going on, man? Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thanks. Just, you know, in my training camp, getting ready to beat the crap out of the leader of the bread club next week. This is a crazy match. I mean, I feel like this is a match that we would see on like a New Japan type show, but we're getting it in MLW next week, which isn't really out of the ordinary for anyone that's been following MLW for a while. Now you'll get matches like this on these shows, an attraction of sorts. Just talk me through this match, your history with Kojima, and why you're looking forward to this one. Yeah, well, fortunately, unfortunately, I have faced uh, Satoshi Kojima before. However, it was in front of no fans during the pandemic, so... This is going to be a big opportunity for me to show everybody out there that not only am I the best MLW World Heavyweight Champion of all time by defeating the very first MLW World Heavyweight Champion of all time, but I also want to prove that when it comes to wrestling internationally, not just here in the U.S., you are looking at one of the top guys you've ever 
seen on this planet. And by beating a legend like Kojima, which I, I've already done, but like I said, you know, I, I want people to see it. Yep. What I mean, I want people there cheering him on as I bury him deep into the ground, head first with a with a Tenzin spike pile driver, just to add insult to injury. Um I I was a fan of Kojima when I was in college. Uh, he is the first man to hold the IWGP and uh, All Japan Triple Crown Championships at the same time. He has also won the NOAA Global Honored Crown. So he has had his own uh, Triple Crown of sorts as the champion of all the major leagues in Japan. And like I said, I want to prove that internationally, I am one of the best on planet Earth. You talk about like the crowd being there for this one. Obviously, having fans in attendance adds a whole new, whole new dynamic. But I feel like for you two specifically, with the fans not being there the first time around, you got to hear those strikes a lot louder, right? When you guys are just in there, <clears throat> excuse me, beating the shit out of each other with those strikes. I mean, I got to go back and watch that match. But I feel like it's going to be a lot different this time. You got the crowd roaring. They're behind you. They're behind Kojima. But I feel like people got to go back and check out that original encounter because I'm sure those strikes, you can hear that much more. Yeah, one of the things about Kojima is like, he's a big guy, but I think people underestimate really how hard of a hitter he is mm. and how much force he, he delivers behind those moves. Uh, sometimes, or or maybe some people remember back to Forbidden Door when he wrestled CM Punk, he came off the top rope, delivered an elbow drop <laughs> right to the genitals. Yeah. I know that one had to hurt because I've been hit with that same elbow drop. Uh, Kojima, out of all the times that I've been in the ring, and um, I mean, that is like hundreds now. I can remember very few times where and it sounds funny to say I can remember a few times, mm -hmm. but I remember very few times where I was like rocked by my opponent, by something that they did. And uh, Kojima's got one hell of a DDT on the apron. So I'll be watching out for that. And uh, I've got, you know, revenge a little bit on my mind, even though I walked away the winner. I'm sure if you ask most people who they think is going to walk out uh, with their hand raised here, they're probably going to go with the the legend Kojima, but nah, not happening. I know you said Kojima, also a former MLW World Heavyweight Champion, but this is your turf. I mean, obviously having been here more recently, leaving a couple of years ago, now coming back, um, he just unsuccessfully challenged Alex Kane, obviously a couple of weeks ago for the MLW World Championship. Got He's cheated. He cheated. Okay, well, the he ref, came out. The refs got the refs. Got, no, the refs. I was cheated. The refs got a gambling problem. Everybody knows that. Frank mm -hmm. Gastino, this guy, you could see him you know, slutting his services out around the country, trying to get a quick payday. Clearly, Don King had something to do with it. Paid this guy off to count me down quick. Well, maybe he could take the like, title from him at some point. Uh, I'll gotta be, be honest. I've got one of my shoulder blades is bigger than the other. Yep. I can't even have both shoulders on the ground at the same time. There you go. Possible. Makes sense. There's got to be a match where maybe he doesn't have to pin you to win the, or you don't have to pin him to win the championship. Maybe a steel cage or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out, but we'll get to that match when we get to it. But you can back in Don King in that steel cage. <laughs> get That's Don King in there too. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, you know, just talking about being back in MLW the last couple of weeks and part of the WTF faction as well. A bit of a different dynamic atmosphere from the last time you were there. Maybe not so much. Just talk about your return and how uh, different or similar it's been to the last time you were there a few years ago. Yeah, the, the whole thing is kind of like a, a whirlwind. Um, I was a replacement for Davey Boy Smith, who yeah. unfortunately had 
uh, I believe appendicitis is what ended up happening. And he had to, uh, you know, have emergency surgery. So I got a call on, I believe a Wednesday afternoon. Hey, can you come fight Alex Kane this weekend? And yeah, I was happy to do so. But in the meantime, before that even went down, I talked to my old buddy MSL, a guy who was there the very first day that I ever took a bump in 2005. He was sitting in the back scouting me then. And uh, it's finally paid off for him. You know, 18 years later, we've combined forces. And now myself, you know, the crown jewel of the WTF, Matt Cardona, who is going to beat Alex Kane for that belt at one shot. Mm-hmm. Now we have Hammerstone in the mix. Uh, Steph DeLander, of course, by the side of Cardona. And, you know, the th- maybe most exciting for me um, is the appearance, the inclusion, the unveiling of WTF's monster, Josh Bishop, who's been tearing it up on the independent scene for the past few years. And this guy is as close to a uh, amalgamation of Mike Awesome and Sid that you can get. And I can't wait to see what he's going to do. I'm going to be right there cheering him on by his side, watching him powerbomb people left and right. So We've seen a fair share of groups in MLW over the years. You've had your experience with most of them, facing them, being a part of them. You know What, what separates WTF from all of those, aside from just who's a part of it, as you mentioned, Cardona, Bishop, everyone else that's joined ha. this group? Uh, what what this separates like a, that from the pack? It's like a, like a video game stable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or it's like an okay. E-Fed stable. It's like somebody yeah. just went, hey, who who's the biggest, strongest guy we got out there? Well, Hammerstone. Mm-hmm. Right, let's get him. All right. Uh, Matt Cardona, right? One of the biggest personalities that you can have. The guy wins at all costs. Everybody and the wrestling scene knows who Matt Cardona is. Let's get him in there. Hey, let's get uh, a former UFC fighter, former champion in New Japan, uh, former MLW world champion. Let's throw him in there. And then let's take the biggest, baddest, hottest guy on the independent scene when it comes to throwing a beat down on scrubs left and right, the super heavyweight Josh Bishop. And you can add in Davey Boy Smith. Hopefully he can make it back. Uh, Gene Snitsky has been affiliated with the WTF. So, mm-hmm. you know, to me, it's kind of like a, like a fantasy stable and <laughs> it's pretty, pretty cool. Being back in MLW already having won the world championship, you know, dominating now again, challenging Kane a couple weeks ago, taking on Kojima at this show at one shot. Do you have any goals for coming back or just coming back and having fun at this point and just kind of doing your thing in addition to everything you're already doing in new Japan and everything else? I mean, I'm greedy. <laughs> I'll be real. Uh, I could I could cut a few pounds and I think make that middle weight. Yeah, wait. I have to go check and see exactly what it is. I mean, I did fight at 185. It was tough to get down there. Um, we'll have to see how much money Court's got in his pockets if uh, that's the weight limit. But if it's 205, I could I can make 205 over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, like I said, Josh Bishop is now in town. I would love to have the MLW world tag team titles, you know, alongside him. So yeah, of course I do have goals. And one of them is to beat Satoshi Kojima. And it's not to stop after that. There's 
uh, affiliations that MLW has with uh, New Japan, like mm-hmm. we mentioned. They've got guys from CMLL in. Uh, you know, they have wrestlers on their roster wrestling all over the world. And Akira just was just in Big Japan uh, not too long ago. So bring it on. I want everybody. There's I want so much- it all. You want it all. Listen, there's so many many familiar and fresh faces in MLW right now coming and going. And there's a lot of chatter. People might be leaving, people coming back, yourself included. Do you think it sends a positive message about the promotion when you come back after a couple of years away? Cardona's choosing to work in MLW and you guys are coming in doing top programs from the get-go to kind of send the message, not only for wrestlers to come on in, in addition to all the other fresh faces working in the company right now, but also for fans to give MLW a shot as well. No pun intended with one shot coming up on, on Thursday, obviously. Well, even if the pun was intended, it was a good one. So <laughs> I appreciate you it. Pass it. Um, I, I think that like the more eyes on the MLW product, uh, the better it off it's going to be, you know, for wrestling and obviously for MLW. But I think the more exposure that it gets, it also allows MLW to grow and to show you know, different styles. If you look at the shows, kind of the way that they're formatted now, uh, it's like a, a two hour pay-per-view mm-hmm. block on fight. And throughout that, you'll get a variety of different things. I think at this past show, uh, there was like almost an hour long match. Yeah. Which you rarely get between uh, Fatu and Alex Kane. But before that, you know, there's a, a CMLL showcase with the MLW middleweight champion in it. And then uh, I believe Ichiban, right? Who's a guy who's mostly known uh, as like an up and comer on the Northeast scene, mm-hmm. right? So he's getting opportunities. So I think the more uh, Akira, who I mentioned earlier, you know, working um, in a program with Ricky Shane Page and the the second gear crew, you know what I mean? So I think the more eyes that these guys get on them, it's great for wrestling because then the smaller, uh, the regional shows, mm-hmm. get more eyes on them. And, you know, I think it all just benefits everybody. I agree. And you're getting such a great contrast of styles on the shows. And you mentioned it yourself. What I really like about these MLW pay-per-views, if you want to call it that on fight, is that, like you said, they're only two hours. They're short. PLEs. PLEs. Exactly. That's what they're calling <laughs> them nowadays. Exactly. Uh, you know, they're only four or five matches, if that. And you're always getting guaranteed great action regardless with, uh, you know, one shopping, no exception. But we're seeing you all over the place, dude. We're seeing you pop back up in MLW, obviously doing your thing in New Japan, all these other promotions as well. The Forbidden Door match obviously falling through, unfortunately, earlier this year with Cole due to the injury to him. Was there another instance where I think you were supposed to work a match and maybe it f- fell through? But I guess regardless, can we still expect it to see you there pop up at some point and uh, do your thing over there? The the rumor was that I was going to face John Moxley. Okay. Right before, before he got injured. But I don't, I don't know whether that was actually confirmed or not. I mean, it was mm-hmm. never confirmed with me. Gotcha. Um, there have been other times where I've been, I guess, like on standby. I don't mm-hmm. even know what the. Uh, what the term would be yeah yeah i don't even know i'm in the hole yeah i'm wait whatever's not on deck that's where (laughs) i was um honestly i don't know i mean i've never i haven't really spoken to anybody there since then uh i wish beyond uh, a wish of all wishes that i would get a return shot for the new japan strong open weight championship on aew tv but Mm -hmm. It appears that uh, 
you know, the mouth of Eddie Kingston is going to swallow up all these belts into a triple crown yep. of some sort. So I don't know that that's in my future cards either. So, Hey, I don't really know what the hell is going on with myself. Uh, other than that, I'm wrestling damn near every weekend mm-hmm. uh, and try to keep myself busy. And, you know, if, uh, if I'm never on American television, you know, on a regular basis and, you know, the fans here don't get to see me do what I love most. Sure. It's going to hurt in the long run, but, um, you know, as long as my bank account's all right, I don't really care. You know, I, that's I remember, most important, right? Yeah. I remember a quote, uh, that was said that somebody said like, your kids don't eat on legacy. There you so, go. You know, keep booking me across the country. <laughs> That's the message right there. Listen, on Saturday, it was a very busy day in the wrestling world for an obvious reason. But I'm looking through my timeline and I see your tweet about what you just watched on Peacock and how great it was. And then you scroll to the bottom of it. And it was because you just finished you just finished watching Strays. I got to give you your kudos. That was a great tweet. I haven't actually seen the movie yet, but it looked like it was one of those movies that it was so bad that it was good. I need your quick review of uh, of Strays. <laughs> or was, did you actually watch it or did you just make that up? I didn't watch it. Come on, Tom. No, it was a good I, tweet though, regardless. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, the, the three second Google search it took for me yeah. to find a movie that I could uh, associate <laughs> with that situation uh, was worth it to me. But yeah, I hate to hate to break kayfabe, but <laughs> I don't have time to sit down now. I, now I may go back and watch it after seeing yeah. how many people responded and said, that's what I'm saying. Enjoyed the movie. And uh, that apparently there's a, uh, genital biting dog oh god character i may have to watch it (laughs) do you even have a do you even have a peacock subscription did you even catch what happened on saturday with punk okay what were your honest reactions i'll get anything for a tax (laughs) write-off there you go what were your thoughts on that what what was your immediate reaction to that i really did have to go back and (laughs) rewind it to be fair like yeah because because the show was kind of over yeah it was yeah i I think i was texting the west coast wrecking crew Mm -hmm. Our, Jarrell Nelson and I were arguing over the quality of the women's war games match. Mm-hmm. I was a big fan of. It was a good match. It was really good. Yeah. <laughs> I was texting him and then the whole CM Punk thing happened. And I kind of like sat there and looked away from my computer like I'm doing now. Yeah. I was like, Hold on. And I went back. Yeah. Just to make sure I wasn't hallucinating. I mean, I. <laughs> In the grand scheme of things, I wasn't surprised, but sure. I was surprised it happened here because of all the, you know, back and forth and, uh, you know, just people saying it wasn't going to happen. There was no yeah. con- confirmations one way or another. People are posting up that picture of him at the airport. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah, that goes around all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So. Good shit. Well, as we wind down here, man, with one shot coming up on Thursday, you're facing Kojima. You already took on Kane. Who else from the MLW scene that you see there right now? I mean, you mentioned going after all the gold, obviously, but in addition to that, is there any one opponent you didn't get to face the first time or someone that's coming, you know, since you've been gone uh, that you would like to take on at some point? I mean, for my own health, I hope I don't have to wrestle a guy like Davey Boy Smith. You know what I mean? I'm happy to be on the same side as him. 200 50 pound muscle monster who toss you around and stretch you anyway uh <laughs> possible not a big fan of facing off against uh that guy so that's like i can tell you that's who i don't want to face that's a good answer uh, 
But there's a number of guys out there that wrestle, uh, what did I say, uh, the indigenous style to mm-hmm. the 2300 arena, the second gear crew, yep. the calling. These guys out there doing hardcore style matches. Yep. Yeah, I want to show everybody in MLW that. Not only, not only am I the best fighter out there, but I'm the best street fighter, too. You can do it so, all. Akira, Ricky Shane Page, Justice Manders. Not Mans. <laughs> not Mans. Not Mans, because he's gone. Yeah, no, he's gone from MLW. Uh, yeah. But anybody, I, I'd like to do some hardcore matches, maybe... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll yeah, branch out that. a little bit. And MLW's had a lot. I feel like every other show that I watch of MLW's, there's like a hardcore street fight cage death match or something. Yeah, so, I mean, I've know. done I've done quite a few actually. Yeah. I think I've done some hardcore street fights there. I always enjoyed them. Uh, mm-hmm. Fought Sammy Callahan. Uh, I was actually buried in a casket by Mil Muertes. Remember, I remember that. that. Yeah, <laughs> good stuff. So I, I have done some, but I, I like to get in there and uh, you know. Do some more. Like I said, it's kind of like the indigenous style to 2300 Arena. If you're going to have those style of matches, there's nowhere better to do it. So, <laughs> Exactly. Well, Tom, this has been great chat with you. Where can people find you on the socials, on the X, Twitter, Instagram, whatever? Well, I don't – I'm off X since college, but I am on, <laughs> I'm on, I'm on the app. On the uh, app, okay. I'm on the app. At Filthy Tom Lawler, F-I-L-T-H-Y-T-O-M-L-A-W-L-O-R on X and on Instagram as well. And uh, I believe that's all That's all my social media stuff. That's all your stuff. People can give you a follow for more of uh, Stray's content, even though you didn't watch the movie. But maybe the next <laughs> time we chat, we can talk about Stray's if you uh, if you watched it by that point. So. I'll have to do a review, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I look forward to it, dude. I look forward to it. But until then, people can catch you up coming up on next Thursday on uh, Queens, New York on fight as part of MLW one shot against Kojima. Tom, thanks so much for the time, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you. Big thanks to Tom for the time. As I mentioned earlier, you can check out the video version of that interview right now over at youtube.com backslash WrestleRant and the article version over at dailyddt.com. And of course, MLW one shot streaming live tonight on fight from New York city. Check it out on fight or in the area. If you're able to attend uh, that being said, let's start with my conversation now with Mr. Marceau, breaking down all the latest in the world of wrestling. Mr. Marceau, brother, how's it going? Doing well, how are you? I am doing well. Um, As I mentioned earlier, that we have the 2023 WWE AEW Year in Review Awards up right now, went live on Monday, right after Raw. You voted instantly, as you always do. What would you think of the polls? I thought it was good. I feel like I liked that it was like trimmed up a little bit. You kind of cut some fat that was on there. Um, I feel like it was pretty straight to the point so i like that yeah no i think uh you know what i tried to do this year is that i just feel like with some of the categories like i had if you go back in years past we had most disappointing star future breakout star stuff like that and i honestly so i tried to keep those categories but i honestly couldn't think of enough enough moments like last year for example i had best wwe return and i had best aw signee and AEW signed a lot of great people this year. We still got a lot of WWE returns, a lot of which have happened in the past two or three months because they didn't have a lot of returns in the in the first six months of the year. Um, I just didn't really feel like the categories were timely this year. I might add them back at, at a certain point down the road. 
not this year. We're just down to 10 categories. So we'll break them all down at the end of the month on December. Let me look at my calendar here. The 28th, December 28th, 2023, the final Thursday of the year. We'll break it all down and go through the best and worst of uh, 2023 in WWE and AEW. Didn't really include NXT. NXT's had a great year. Um, I, I just feel like the main roster is topped at AEW as well. There is one or two Ring of Honor nominees because it's basically the same thing as AEW. I made that mistake last year of excluding that stuff because it's not AEW, so I didn't include it. Well, I, I made an exception because Ring of Honor is basically AEW. So other than that, I don't think there's many uh, NXT nominees for the most part. So uh, maybe next year I'll change it up again. Uh, but we have a lot to get into, Mr. Marceau. Uh, here today talking Raw and uh, a little bit of Dynamite from last night as well. Ahead of NXT Deadline coming up this weekend on Saturday in Bridgeport. We'll break down the entire card, who we expect to see it go over. A couple news and notes before we get into that stuff, though. We mentioned a week or two ago the news report about uh, Kazuchika Okada's contract, or not his contract coming up necessarily, but the rumor that WWE is now more interested in him now than they have been in years past. And obviously, they've always wanted Okada. He's one of the best wrestlers in the world. Why would they not want Okada? But we discussed how it was laughable that he would probably, not that they would want him, but that he would entertain the idea of going there. Even with Triple H in charge, I am still not optimistic over the idea of him signing with WWE. And I'm not saying he needs a Roman Reigns run, but like I don't want to see Okada, who is a very special talent, uh, and one of the few people whose work from like New Japan will get me to go out of my way to watch like a New Japan match. And nothing against the product, I just don't really go out of my way to watch it. But his matches, I'll typically you know try to find time to watch. Um, I I just don't have enough faith that if they were to bring him in, he would be a sustained main event player or even an upper mid card player towards the top of the card. I don't know how great his English is. I haven't listened to many Okada promos. They would probably have to put a mouthpiece with him or have him do the same thing as Nakamura with the. Uh, with the promos and the you know subtitles and stuff like that, which has been uh, really good as of late, but it did come out this week from Sports Illustrated, Okada's New Japan contract apparently expiring at the end of January 2024, and he is apparently seriously entertaining the idea of going to a mainstream wrestling company in the states. Now, that could just be the report. With as far as WWE is concerned, AEW makes a whole lot of sense, um, but you also have to remember as well, which I don't know if it was included in the report. It may have been, but he's married and has at least one kid. And I think from what I understand, from what I had seen someone say on Twitter, like soon after this dropped, his wife is apparently like a really big star in Japan, like way bigger than him, actually. And to uproot them to the States probably is not a very likely scenario. I don't think he wants to. He's never really wanted to. Why would he? Why would he? Um, You know, another likely scenario is that he stays put to New Japan. But if WWE and AEW have all open offers for Okada to come in, What's your take on the situation where you might want to see him pop up next, or does he just stay in New Japan next year, you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting situation. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't really, like, I think he'd be good in WWE, but I also feel like with the AEW, they have so many other people that they're not using now that they'd, he'd probably overshadow. I think if he had to pick one of the two, he'd probably go to AEW. There's already kind of a built-in relationship there. Um, but like I said, the whole family thing could also... I mean, if you didn't have to stay in the States, which WWE kind of makes you do, then it seems like AEW would make the most sense. I mean, we talked about this, I think, with either Will Ospreay or Okada himself a couple weeks ago. It was Ospreay. It was Ospreay, yeah, and that they can stay put where they are. And I understand what you're saying as far as it would be dumb from a company standpoint to constantly fly these people out. But I think there's certain people that you make exceptions for. I mean, Pac has been there since day one, so they're, they're still willing to make that exception, and that's fine. I mean, he's currently hurt, but... I feel like he's always hurt. 
With Okada, I mean, he's on the same level as Osprey in that I feel like if he was willing to do that, Tony Khan, that is, and fly him out, maybe not every week, but once every two weeks, I don't know, um, then that should be fine. I think he's probably just going to stay in New Japan because that's where he's been. That's where he's been this entire time. The thing with AEW is that he does have that built-in exposure, as you mentioned. He has that built-in exposure. It makes sense. There's a lot of potential matchups there. But then again, a lot of the matchups he could have, he already has had. A lot of the people in that company, he's already faced plenty of times in the appearances he's made for Ring of Honor and over in Japan. Omega, White, Osprey being the leading candidates, obviously. Um, Abushi. All of those guys, and Abushi is all elite. We just haven't seen him in a couple of weeks. Um, I, I I don't know. I feel like honestly, him and WWE would be a more exciting venture because it is something completely different, taking a risk there. But that might be too big of a risk, as unlike AJ Styles in 2016, I just don't have the faith that he would be anywhere near the top of the card, like where he probably should be. So I I think an AEW thing should not be ruled out entirely. It is very possible he goes there. But to your point. I just don't know if he stands out. I think there's a good chance that he might just become another cog in the wheel there and be one of those guys that doesn't feel as special as he should, you know? Yeah, I mean, I just... I don't know. It, it, it's definitely tough. I feel like, like you said, I, I feel like if he went to WWE, I feel like he would be treated at, at an upper level. The problem is, like, the fan base, I just he's not like they don't know who he is. Like, most yeah. people that watch WWE don't watch New Japan or watch AEW, so they, they have no idea who this guy is. So it's like... I feel like he could be booked at the level, but it would take some time to, like, actually people... Like, he's not, like... He doesn't look like a star from a normal person watching, so I feel like with WWE, it would probably take a little bit um, to, like, book him up to get to that point. Mm-hmm. With AEW, they kind of already know him and, like, his credentials, so I feel like that's kind of a big difference, though. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I think it's all about presentation and the booking. I mean, his presentation alone, without even having seen a match of his previously, when he comes out with the... Uh, the robe and the money and stuff. I mean, to me, he looks like a star, regardless of whether you know anything about him or not. So, I mean, if you were to carry that over to WWE, then I think it would work. Um, they would really have to play it safe, though, as far as, like, they would have to do it properly. You have to tread carefully with a guy like him. And then also the booking, too. I mean, more people knew AJ Styles coming into WWE in 2016 than people that would know Okada if he were to come in in 2024. And by the way, we mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but just to kind of repeat the point, he would be around the same age as Nakamura when Nakamura came in in 2016. We mentioned that at the time, but I just wanted to bring that up again because it's not like he's 45 and he has no good years left. I would say give it a shot, but again, that's you're kind of betting your whole personal life when it comes to this sort of stuff, so probably not. Um, but I just feel like AJ had more U.S. exposure so, I mean, he wasn't the most over guy on the roster from day one. It also took him some time to get over with the audience. With Okada, if they were to bring him in from a top spot and put him with the top guy out of the gate, it would kind of force people to take notice. And, um, you know, like they did it with Styles, where they put him with Jericho immediately, and he's working with a notable name, helps get him over, going into WrestleMania. Then he's working with Roman Reigns, and by that point, he's a household name in WWE. So you would really have to tread carefully with a guy like him because, again, he can't go in there and have a promo battle with Roman Reigns or Rollins. He would need the subtitles or a mouthpiece or or something. So um, it's interesting. I don't think he's coming to WWE, but it is cool that Triple H seemingly is trying to send the message that it's a different WWE now than it has been in years past. It's a different environment. They do things differently. They're not going to completely 
not bury, but like misuse people of other nationalities just because they can't speak the language as well as some other people on the roster can. Like in the past, we've talked about it. The stereotypes with the Japanese talent, the stereotypes with the Latino Mexican talent have been fucking awful in years past. Even as recently as Lucha House Party, but guys in the way that they've been booking them, guys like Dragon Lee, Santos... Dominic, I mean, not really Dominic's per se. I mean, it, you know, he's not really, I don't think of him as like a luchador per se, but like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's just fucking Rey Mysterio's kid. But like Dragon Lee, Santos, people like that. Um, I think they've done a better job lately <clears throat> of, of a kind of presenting them as uh, than, than they probably would have five or ten years ago when like Sin Cara was there and Kalisto and people like, you know, of, of that ilk. Uh, and they're talented enough to get over. They just need the opportunity. Now we're kind of starting to see that, which is great. Um, one more thing from Fightful. This came out, again, one of those things. It came out after we hit record last week. And that it's rumored, not confirmed, just an idea. And I don't think they would report this unless there was some credence to it. That a possible match for WrestleMania at WrestleMania 40 next April could be CM Punk against Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now that Punk is back in WWE, Steve Austin has returned to the ring. Um, there is a decent, not a decent chance, but... A slight chance, more than there ever has been in years past, probably as much as there was in 2012 and 2013 and 2011 when they first teased the matchup, of us getting Punk and Austin at WrestleMania. Um, before we go any further with it, what's your reaction to the report, and do you think that we could see this match at WrestleMania next year? I think it's possible, but just, I feel like everything on TV, I feel like they're just pointing to Rollins and Punk. I, I mean, they just keep teasing it, so I feel like that's the direction they're going. And mm-hmm. I mean, I guess things could change if... Like you said, if things actually start to go somewhere, but I don't know. I, I, I not that I don't want to see. I just, uh, I guess, yeah. I guess at the end of the day, I don't overly want to see it at this point. Like I get, like with Steve Austin with 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 Owens was fine. I just, I don't know. I feel like, I just feel like it's just like one of those things. Like I don't want to see fucking Tom Brady playing quarterback when he's sixty. I don't know. I feel mm-hmm. like with Austin, like what he did, what he did, what he did, what he did, and. Just know from what he, like, just know him for, like, the good times. Like, he's just, like, an older man now. I, I don't know. I just feel like it wouldn't be the same. I just, I don't really want to see that. It wouldn't be the same. I mean, the guy is almost 60. And it would have been better 10 years ago had they done it then. But Steve wasn't convinced to come back. And he was also going through knee surgery at the time. So they never really had an opportunity to do the match where he would have agreed to it. Um... I'm the same person. It's actually funny because I had brought up the possibility to Alexis's dad a couple days ago of the match because he he's he likes CM Punk and he doesn't mind that he's back. But I mentioned the option or the the report that we might be getting Stone Cold and Punk and Mania. And thinking you would think, and again, he might be in the minority here. This might not be the majority opinion, but you would think like someone who's been watching wrestling for a long time. I don't know if your dad's the same way. I, I would be curious what your dad's take on that match would be if you if you broached the subject with him. Because people like Goldberg, and maybe not Taker at this point, that guy's a bag of dust, but people like Goldberg, when they come back, that older generation specifically think it's cool because they know these people and they're back and whatever. Whereas the people that actually watch the product from, from week to week know, I don't need fucking Goldberg back. The last couple matches he's had were just not good. Um, but he actually did not like the idea. He said he's way too fucking old and he doesn't want to see the match between Stone Cold Steve Austin and CM Punk. And I'm not saying it would be a barn burner. I just think it would be worth it for the promos alone. And I think the match would be serviceable enough to do. If this was Steve Austin at 65, at the age of 65, not WrestleMania 65, I'd be like, probably not. Or, or they just, uh, or if they did that Owens match and it sucked. 
Like, it was awful. Like, it was Taker Goldberg levels of bad. And then they were like, oh, what about this Punk match? I'm like, no, no, no. Like, that, that's that's past. I don't want to see that anymore. Because Punk's not a, you know, a spring chicken either. The guy's 45. He got hurt. Two major injuries in the span of, like, six months in AEW. He could get hurt at any time. Um, I, I think it's worth it, honestly. I'm not saying that they will do it or that I necessarily need to see it because the backup plan of Punk and Rollins is not a bad thing. I know you said they were teasing Punk and Rollins, and they are. I mean, it's not like this is in the books. They would really need to convince Steve Austin to come back for it. Um, I think we could see him in like a rumble or something, or if they just left it at what it was, I wouldn't complain either. Cause that was a great send off for WrestleMania 38. Um, I don't know. I just feel like that might be a match worth doing and it could give us one big mania main event with Punk and Steve Austin and Rollins can uh, defend. There's, there's no shortage of opponents. I think for Seth Rollins at WrestleMania, he just might not be in the WrestleMania main event if that's the case. Yeah, no, like I said, I guess the, the, depending on the circumstances, but like I said, I just feel like it's not like you said. I know it's not gonna be an interim classic, but to me, like since I'm like really into the product again, like, I just want to focus on the future. Mm-hmm. I get like Austin, but like I, to me, it doesn't really solve much. The match to do is still Punk to Rollins or Punk versus Rollins to you, Mania for the World Heavyweight Championship. I believe so. Yeah, I think it killed two birds with one stone with that one. We probably mentioned it last week, but um, <clears throat> if you do that matchup, both guys have talked about on record. Punk, I don't know if he cares anymore. He probably not. And he didn't mention it in his return promo, that he wanted that main event of WrestleMania before he quit the company 10 years ago. Rollins is also one of that main event of WrestleMania, and he doesn't count WrestleMania 31 when he cashed in the Money in the Bank briefcase. He wants to be on the marquee. You do Punk and Rollins and no one gets hurt before then, that's a marquee main event for WrestleMania. I think it's it would be the first time... Would it be the first time? That we've had back-to-back WrestleMania main events where the World Championship was on the line? I think so. Because in 37, we had a women's main event, 38, Steve Austin and Owens main event in night one. And then this past year was the tag titles because the main the world titles were still unified. So we haven't had a WrestleMania yet. And WrestleMania 36, uh, Taker and Styles main evented as well. So we haven't had a two-night Mania yet. And this is going to be the fifth one coming up where a world championship is main evented both nights. A, a, a men's world championship. And if you have a women's match that's bigger, then go for it. But I think Rhea and Becky, if that's the match, that's a big match to do. I think Seth Rollins and CM Punk would be the bigger bout when you do that as the main event. So uh, Rollins continuing to plant more seeds as far as the CM Punk stuff goes on Raw every single week. We'll see where that goes in the months ahead, but I'm looking forward to it. Um, on the Punk thing real quick, though, he was not on Raw this week. He will be on SmackDown tomorrow when we're there in Providence. Looking forward to that. They're trying to sign him in storyline to an exclusive contract to uh, either brand. He's going to be at SmackDown tomorrow and again on Raw on Monday night. Your thoughts on where Punction line or should wind up now that Orton is signed with SmackDown? I mean, I said that I feel like it's just like one. Of the, it's I mean, you should sign with Raw at that point. Yeah. I mean, Smith doesn't need any more uh, like bigger top faces. So I mean, <clears throat> makes sense for him to go to Raw. What were your thoughts on Orton going to SmackDown last week, making that official, putting pen to paper? I like it. I feel like they do need some like kind of upper card faces. I mean, they've kind of had the same crew of people for a while. Um, I mean, it doesn't really help without Roman being on the show. I feel like it's kind of just been LA Knight versus the Bloodline, so putting Randy in there definitely kind of freshened it up a little bit. Do you have any updated predictions for what Orton's Mania match could be, especially after, and I assume it was just a one-off, but I don't want to you know, completely count out the possibility, of Randy Orton Nick Aldis at WrestleMania, following that RKO to Aldis to close out that segment on Friday. I, I It will probably be Orton and Solo or something, because he's immediately jumping into the Bloodline stuff. Um, 
But I, I think it would I would not be opposed to an Orton all this matchup if they want to go that route and have someone take over for all this as the SmackDown GM. I mean, we could do it. Like I said, I just feel at the end of the day, it's like I'm worried with I they need to do something with solo. I feel like it has to be something important. I feel like Randy fits the bill. Um, he just beat John Cena. He needs to keep his momentum up somehow. Uh, not being on WrestleMania would be a mistake. So I think I think it's, him and Randy makes the most sense. They said you could do all this in Orin, but I just feel like Solo needs it more. What if they were to, well, two things. Solo would have to be in a match at Mania, you're saying, because he'll obviously be at Mania and with the yeah, Rollins. Yeah, in a match. Yeah. What were if they were to do, and this is not set in stone because we don't know his schedule. What if they run back Cena and Solo of Mania, and that's been the plan, and maybe that's where Cena gets his big win. I know, I know. I, listen, that's not ideal because we want Solo to win, but um, I they want to give Cena his big win at some point. He hasn't won on pay per view in a singles match in over five years, and that might be where it happens. I'm against that totally. <laughs> you don't think they, they? You don't think they should run that match back for Mania? You don't think they should revisit yeah, that at I all? Yeah, I think they can run it back, but Solo wins again. I do not think Solo needs to lose to John Cena. I don't think he sh- He, he shouldn't. He should not lose his job. I have Bray Wyatt vibes in my mind right now. Well, at least Solo beat him before Bray Wyatt did. Bray Wyatt lost that first match. That was the difference to me. Yeah, I, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't think I need to see him lose to Cena. I feel like that didn't solve a lot, but... What does that do? Okay, John Cena won a match. Wait, he's not here all the time. Who gives a fuck? I know, but he... I'm not saying he should beat Solo. <laughs> I'm just saying if they were to revisit it, because it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense the next time Cena comes back for him not to go after Solo after teasing retirement, he should probably... Yeah, when he's coming back again. We don't know when he's coming back, but I mean, he should probably win his next match if they wanted to... I mean, he doesn't have to win his next match necessarily, but it's been over five years, so it's been long enough. They want to tell this story that, oh, I haven't won a match, I can't go anymore, blah, blah, blah. He will be back, and he has to win at some point. Not necessarily against Solo, it could be against Grayson Waller for all we know. But I'm just saying... Yeah, I like that idea better. (laughs) Hey, listen, maybe he can avenge the loss from last year's Mania and beat Theory and Waller in a five-minute two-on-one handicap match and just call it a day. I like that better. (laughs) Also on the SmackDown side of things, want to get your thoughts on this. Announced last Friday, a United States Championship number one contenders tournament announced by Logan Paul. Um, I would assume the winner's going to get a shot of the Rumble. They could very well do it on the first SmackDown of the year. But I just say the Rumble because Logan Paul has yet to wrestle on Raw or SmackDown. So, he'll, he'll probably be safe for the pay-per-view. But we got eight people in it. Owens is in it. Uh, Waller and Theory, speaking of whom, are both in it as well. Escobar and Dragon Lee having a match tomorrow night on SmackDown first round. Bobby Lashley and Karrion Cross. He could take his face off the back of the milk carton. He's back. Probably losing to Bobby Lashley tomorrow night. Um, they're doing that match. And then also an NXT superstar appearing in the tournament. Probably not a call-up, I would imagine, just one of those things where they bring him in or whoever it is to SmackDown for a week, whether they win, lose, whatever. Similar to Toxic Attraction in the tag team title tournament last year where they weren't called up, probably should have been, um, but they weren't called up and they just went back to NXT afterwards. So uh, thoughts on the tournament and who you could see going over in it ultimately? I like the idea of it. I mean, I feel like there is like a decent a decent amount of middle guys. No one's really kind of like come out of the woodwork. So I feel like this is nice. Get a couple people on the show a little bit more. Um, I mean, I think Owens makes the most sense just based off of what happened on SmackDown. Um, I, if I was taking a guess, I'd say Owens. Who do you think the NXT superstar is going to be? And I agree with Owens, but who do you think the NXT superstar will be? Honestly, I think it's like Axiom or something like that, who's already been on the show. 
just put him in the tournament. Not like he's going to win, but I don't know. I don't think it's going to make anyone crazy. But I feel like since he's already been on SmackDown before, it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think it's either... If it's, I like Axiom. They already put him on SmackDown recently with Dragon Lee, so I would hope it's someone that we haven't seen before, because if that's the case, then just announce Axiom. I think people have their hopes up for, like, a Braun Breaker. It's not a Braun Breaker, because we have more heels in this thing than baby faces. And not only that, but I would assume whoever this person faces next week on SmackDown is going to be facing either Theory or Waller, because Owens is facing either Theory or Waller. So the person who doesn't face Owens will face the NXT superstar. Dragon Lee's already in the tournament. He's a SmackDown guy at this point. Um, Axiom makes sense. I would say Wesley. We'll get to him later, but he's out hurt for a long time, so it's not him. I would go with Nathan Frazier. I mean, it really doesn't matter because they're probably obviously not winning even the first round, but I would go with someone new like Nathan Frazier because I think he's uh, he's great, and I think uh, him appearing in the tournament would be a lot of fun. So as we transition to Raw from Monday night, I thought it was actually a much better show from last week, from the week before, with Punk's first promo back and Orton being on the show. Beyond that stuff, I just did not think it was an overly exciting three-hour program. I very much enjoyed Raw on Monday as they set forth the, uh, kind of the, and plant the seeds and set forth a lot of different programs, the bridges between now and the Royal Rumble to keep a lot of people busy, including Drew McIntyre and Sami Zayn. They went in there and had a great pay-per-view-worthy matchup. Drew McIntyre winning, targeting the knee of Zayn or whatever it was, uh, costing him the win that way, and then attacking him uh, afterward backstage and seemingly putting him on the shelf. Sammy could be back within the next week, but it seems like in storyline they want to take him out, like they did with AJ Styles, even though he's not actually hurt, so he can come back soon, avenge the loss to Drew McIntyre, and maybe they have a match at the Rumble, or before then, or maybe Sammy Zayn is saved until the Rumble, I don't know. Um, but what are your thoughts? What were your thoughts in the McIntyre-Zayn matchup, and where they might be going with this? No, I thought this was a really good, like a pay-per-view level match on Raw. I thought it was really good. I like kind of like you said, like Drew's new little persona, like the little heel Drew. Um, it was good. Like I said, I think it can lead to Sammy coming back and getting like a big momentum or win. So I liked that. I thought it was a good match on, like you said, on a Raw that we didn't don't really expect like great, great matches on. Yeah, no, I thought they filled the time well. And um, the Drew stuff continues to me to be the best part of the entire show. I mean, his, his character development, the promos and whatnot, they had a great promo before the match even started with each other. Um, it, it's the best part of the show for me right now, and I think he's doing tremendous work. We had DIY avenging their loss to Imperium from a few weeks ago, this time in a two out of three falls match. Uh, the first two falls were fairly throwaway, but the rest of it was actually a lot of fun, and the crowd got into it by the end. Uh, Imperium continuing to tease tension, specifically Vinci and Kaiser. We'll see where that goes. But I think this is a small step in ultimately getting DIY over as a tag team, and they need to start racking up wins and just let them loose in there and have a great match. And I feel like slowly but surely they will start to they'll start to get over with the audience. Yeah, I thought this was another good match. You said I think it's I think it was more just to tell the more breaking up of Imperium than than DIY. But like I said, I think they need to start kind of replenishing the tag team division. Obviously, it's like we, even right now we kind of have like a makeshift team just. With Priest and uh, Bow, it's not like they're like a normal tag team. So I like DIY, I like Imperium, so I don't really want them to break up, but I mean, seemingly that's where we're going. Um, but I thought this was like a nice, like I said, two out of three falls, ate up some time, and I thought it was a good wrestled match. Speaking of the Judgment Day, do you think they lose the tag titles when the opportunity comes around to the Creed Brothers in the next couple of weeks, or do you think they retain the titles? Um, It's interesting. I feel like they're seems to be some kind of dissension, so I feel like I could see them losing the belt sooner rather than later. Um, but if they held them on for a lot longer either, I wouldn't be against it. So I think the Creed, if it's the Creeds, I feel like they should beat them. I don't think giving them a match just to lose really helps them at all. Um, 
So I, I would take the belts off them sooner rather than later. They're busy doing other stuff. They're kind of just holding the titles more as props than actually defending them weekly or yeah. kind of occasionally. So I, I would take them off them and kind of then focus on like an actual tag team like division with actual tag teams. I agree. It's weird though. Coming out of War Games, and I'm glad they actually used War Games to blow off the Judgment Day feud with Cody and Sammy and those guys. But there doesn't really seem to be like a plan in place for the Judgment Day right now. They lost uh, Dominic and J.D. McDonough did on this show on Monday's Raw to the Creed Brothers in a pretty good matchup. Balor and Priest were not on the show. And if they were, I think Priest might have been in the backstage segment. Balor was certainly not on the show. And Rhea Ripley was not either. Um, they don't really have a plan in place right now. Rhea Ripley even doesn't really have an opponent. I feel like they're just kind of in a holding pattern until around WrestleMania season. And the thing with that is, I don't know what that feud would be. We talked about it last week. Maybe Orton and Balor or Orton and Priest or something like that because he faced Dominic last week on Raw and won. Did Orton. But he's on SmackDown now, so that's probably not happening. Uh, I'm not really sure what that match is going to be for the Judgment Day. After being such a dominant presence on Raw for all of 2023, I don't know what their 2024 will look like going into WrestleMania. Yeah, it's very cloudy. Um, I, I really couldn't even tell you what I think they're going to do. Like, uh, I mean, unless they break off Priest or Balor and have them feud with each other. I mean, that's also possible. That's too. the only other thing I could think of, honestly. If one of them went babyface and one still heel. Um... After losing the tag titles, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they did, like, an interpromotional, like, Raw or SmackDown, like they used to do occasionally, maybe. But besides that, I would have no idea for who they'd face on Raw. Um, because they already feuded with all the baby faces, yeah, really. Yeah, no, so. I know, and they don't really have a... Yeah, and... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, maybe you just keep the belts on them until that time. I, I don't... I don't really know. Yeah, I know. Maybe, maybe they just end up in a tag team title match of Mania against... the three other teams or something. I don't know. Um, I'm not really sure what their plan ends up being until they start to tease on it, unless it's, uh, you know, Damien Priest versus R-Truth or something. I'm not really sure what that match of Mania is going to be. Um, but they do have direction for a few other different people. Nia Jax knocking off former tag team partner Shayna Baszler in Monday's Raw. and Not so great match, but it was what it was. But Becky Lynch emerging afterward to kind of rekindle their rivalry from five years ago. Now, interestingly enough, Becky and Nia, for as much time as they spent in WWE... I would say NXT together, but Nia arrived on NXT TV after Becky left in 2015, so they never really crossed paths there. But um, for all the time they spent in the main roster before Nia Jax got fired and now has been brought back, they've actually never had a one-on-one match before. And they're playing off of Nia injuring Becky legitimately, breaking her face five years ago, kind of launching the man character. And before they could even do the feud around the time Becky became champion coming out of Mania five years ago, uh, Nia left because she had to go get surgery and she was gone for an entire year. So they, And then Becky got pregnant. So they never had a chance to really do the program. And now they are. And it's not a Mania match, which it shouldn't be. They're doing it, I would think, to kind of kill time before Becky arrives to Rhea Ripley. It, it's kind of amazing to me, dude. Not only the feud itself, of which I'm not anticipating like an instant classic from them. But I think they've done a really good job with Becky and turning things around for her. And maybe they realize not doing a long-term story, which usually we kind of advocate for, is probably the way to go with her right now. As opposed to doing a four- or five-month-long feud with, like, Trish Stratus, which was not a great feud. But since that last match with Trish, she had a great match with Trish inside the steel cage, a great match with Tiffany Stratton. She was doing the NXT Women's Champion thing for about a month or so. They had a great match in No Mercy. She then lost to Lyra, another great match. And then she feuded with uh, Zia Lee for about a month as well. And they had a really good match on Raw a couple weeks ago. So I feel like Becky, I don't know if it's just a, a fire lit underneath her or what, but they've done a really good job of kind of finding new directions for her and her just going in there and having better matches than I've seen from her since she came back to the company from pregnancy a couple years ago. 
No, she's had some really good matches in the last couple of months. You said I think it's maybe just like, I don't know if it's a short program or it's just like not like I feel like just maybe it's the matches outweigh the whole story. So that's kind of why the matches recently have been better because it's kind of not really been entwined in like a boring story. Like the ultra stress thing, I feel like just dragged on and I don't know. It just I just it just didn't work. I don't really know what the answer was, but uh, I've liked what she's done lately. Like you said, I think her and I like said they haven't had a match before. I'm not expecting an instant classic, but I think it should be pretty good until uh, she's ready for Rhea. And like I said, they built up Nia strong. Yeah. I don't think she's really lost when she came back. So uh, I feel like her and Becky, uh, it just helps like the momentum of the match and everything. So no, I know I like it a lot. Yeah, I mean, Nia's one of those people, like like I've said, they've done a pretty decent job of protecting her and building her up since coming back to the company, which I'm not the biggest Nia Jax fan. I talked about it when she first came back. I didn't really see the point. I don't think even if they lost her tomorrow, like if she got fired or or left or whatever, it would really be that big of a blow to the division. Nothing, I mean, it is kind of against her, but like I just don't really see her being a great asset to that division because she's not great. But they've pretty much booked her exactly how she should be booked and how she should have been booked five years ago, in my opinion. Um, but they've done a decent job with it, and we'll see where they go with it uh, going into WrestleMania. But I think it's a uh, you know, fine program to do in the meantime. Another interim program they're kind of kicking off on Raw right now, Cody Rhodes and Shinsuke Nakamura uh, feuding going into the Royal Rumble. We already knew that a week ago. We didn't really talk about it, but I thought the explanation that Nakamura provided for why he targeted Cody on last week's show was actually excellent. Like, talking about how they both won the Royal Rumble, actually on the same day, exactly five years apart, believe it or not. January, I think, 28th or whatever, in 2018 and then 2023. But they both won the Rumble, and then they both lost the WrestleMania. Uh, so I love that parallel, and now Cody Rhodes wants to fight him. They're having a match next week on Raw. I hope it's not a quick turnaround blow-off, and they can actually drag this out. Because I love this feud for Nakamura. It makes sense now that they've kind of explained it. And it gives Cody Rhodes a notable name to work with in the meantime. So I, I, I really like this matchup. Yeah, what they're doing with them, too, I like a lot. Like I said, it's not, like, not going to be, I think it's like you said, more of an interim thing, but I like what they're doing Nakamura, um, like kind of like, Making him seem more of a serious player. I mean, last couple of years, he really hasn't done anything of note. Um, so I like how they're kind of like, like I said, the subtitles definitely help with this like little vignette promo things. Um, like I said, the story makes sense. Um, I think it's using him in a more serious light definitely uh, helped out like the quality of Rato. Yeah, no, really, it, it definitely has. I mean, both guys. And then Nakamura's kind of resurgent of a push has been great. Um, this is the most interesting he's been probably since he was first hot five years ago. So it's great to see. And Cody Rhodes, I mean, he already announced himself with the Royal Rumble. He needs stuff to kind of keep him busy in the meantime. He's already feuded with the Judgment Day to death. So doing something new I like, and it's a fresh matchup, and I think it should be a pretty good matchup when they work together on Raw next week. And then with that, we get to the main event for the World Heavyweight Championship. Seth Rollins defending against Jay Uso. And what turned out to be a great match, Love the video package from Jay Uso earlier on in the show explaining what this match meant to him. Um, he did not mention the Umaga connection, but Michael Cole did on commentary when the match started that it was on this day, you know, cue the Edge pun, um, that in December 4th, 29, or 2009, Edge, or uh, rather, Edge, Umaga passed away. <laughs> Thankfully not Edge, uh, and, and, you know, unfortunately for Umaga, but Umaga passed away on that day in 2009. And um, they made that connection. I thought that was really cool. They had a great match. Jay Uso looking very good in defeat here. He was never going to win the World Heavyweight Championship. I know you thought there was a microcosm of a chance after we were texting about it. And listen, I even said, while I was watching the show, I said it to Alexis, I honestly would not be upset if he lost here. Rollins has had a great run as champion the past seven months. 
But if he lost it, if only for a short run for Jay Uso, I would not complain. It would switch things up. Jay Uso is hot, and you know, I think it would make for a great moment on Raw. Give him a one-off World Championship run. And I know you weren't super high on the fact that Jay Uso lost clean. I don't mind the fact that he lost clean. I just didn't love the fact that he did five different finishers and Rollins kicked out of everything, hit one of his finishers, and it was over. Although he did kick out of the pedigree. I will give them credit for that. Jay Uso did kick out of the pedigree for whatever that means at this point because I feel like a lot of people do. Um, but they had a really good match, and then the Drew post-match attack was saved for afterward as opposed to during the match, which would have been the obvious way to go. So I thought this was great stuff. want to get your two cents on it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I didn't think overly there was a great chance of him winning, but I just feel like the moment, uh, the video package was, like, amazing. I feel like that kind of, like, set it up. Um, but no, I mean, I just I just feel like him winning it here, like I said, it wouldn't have been a long reign, just, like, a nice short little run. I feel like that's how you could kind of hit heat him and Jimmy up. Because at this point, I really don't want to see him and Jimmy at WrestleMania. Like, it really isn't any, like, Jimmy's fucking cold as ice, and Jay's hot as hell. So it's like, how do you even get there, like, Maybe cost him the rumble. I don't fucking know. But, like, there needs to be something, and they need to do something more with Jimmy to even get people to even care about him and Jay at this point. But I felt like maybe if you had a quick title run, faces Rollins again at the rumble, and then lost it there, then you could kind of heat it up again there. But I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, I just feel me- like Jimmy's Jay's so over that, yeah. like, him not holding anything kind of, like, feels like criminal, criminal at this point. Yeah, Um. I know they had... Someone mentioned this, and this wasn't obvious, and it was probably just a coincidence, but in the same segment that Jay Uso was talking to Adam Pearce backstage, he left, and then Gunther came in to talk about his next opponent. Do you think there's any connection there? I know you want there to be, but I'm just curious if you think that there's anything to that, and that they might be planting the seeds for a Gunther-Jay Uso title match at some point. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's where Jay's more at. He's at more of a, an intercontinental mid-card level. Um, makes sense. Um... But no, I'd like to see it. I feel like at this point, like you're on the whole Chad Gable thing still. I mean, he needs to serious himself up a little bit before mm-hmm. I can even take him beating Gunther again. But um, no, I mean, I think that's a nice little little spot as well. Um, I feel like there really isn't any other. I feel like Gunther's kind of wiped the whole division out. So at this point, it would be Jay would make sense. I feel like obviously he's kind of dealing with Drew in the interim. But I think him and him and Gunther like. Royal Rumble leading to WrestleMania would make sense. Man, hmm. listen, I would take that over uh, Jay Uso and Jimmy, which makes sense. And you have to do the match at some point, but like you said, Jimmy is ice cold right now, and they're gonna have to heat him up. He's not protected, and not that Jay Uso wins a lot of matches either. He's lost his. He's also lost his fair share of matches to Damian Priest and Drew, and now Seth. But you would never know because the guy's so over, and he's just great in his role. Not that Jimmy Uso isn't great. He's, he's great in his own way, but. He just feels like a lackey, and Jey Uso does not. He feels like a main event star on his own. It's just him, Uso. Um, but speaking of which, i got to mention this, too. It was reported during the show after... Um, it was during that video package that I mentioned, the aforementioned video package for Jay, that you could see him wearing his Yeet shirt, the one that you literally just ordered, although he was wearing the white one, you ordered the blue one, and it was blurred out. And I noticed that myself, and I'm like, that's strange, but I didn't really think there was anything to it, and I didn't really put two and two together. But at WrestleVotes reached out to someone in WWE to find out more about it. Apparently, they found that there was a trademark on the word, and not just in general, but like the way the trademarks work is that there needs to, if you want to sell it as a wrestling shirt, you need to specify that in the trademark. Apparently, there was already an independent wrestler in 2021 that trademarked Yeet, and I think it might, I, I had seen later on, it might be inactive for that person, or they just don't use it right now or something. Maybe there's a chance that um, they're looking into it and they're seeing if there's a way 
that they can secure the rights to it or maybe buy them out. I mean, like, for example, I remember 13 years ago when NXT first came around, NXT was also being used by, like, a German indie company. And they ended up just paying them, I think, a lot of money just for the initials, and now NXT was born. So it might be the same thing with uh, with Yeet. But for now, there is no Yeet. Yeet has been uh, defeated. And um, they're still selling the shirts for now until they run out of stock. But that didn't stop them from showing the signs and playing into the uh, you know the crowd chants, which they can still do, and I think they should. I, I don't really think there's that big of a deal to have them still say it, even if they're not selling merch or marketing it. I mean, not everything has to be a fucking marketing tactic, but because it's just so over with Jay. Um, but yeah, what, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, like you said, I feel like even if they can't sell the shirts, he should still say. I mean, it's like his thing. I don't know, like maybe just change it up a little bit. I don't know. I just feel like him just neglecting it totally just seems weird. Like he's been saying it for like almost over a year at this point. So like, why would he all of a sudden stop saying it? Was because he can't have a trademark on it. They didn't have a shirt before, so um, like I said, maybe the error was they had shirts, and now people are just gonna want the shirt if they can't do it. Um, if I was them, I like you said, I don't know. Just Buy off the tra- buy the trademark, do something. I don't know, some fucking indie outlaw wrestler, give him a shit ton of money. I don't know. I just feel like it's literally associated with his character at this point. It'd be a shame to go away from that and just like stick with the whole main event thing. I mean, I think the bottom line here is what you've already said and what we've are, what I was already thinking as well. They should have looked into it before starting to license merchandise with this word on it without knowing if they could do so legally. I mean, this is not the first time this has happened, but you would think with a company as big as WWE, I know stuff falls through the crack, but like you would, it doesn't take much, dude. Anyone can go online right now and go to the IP website or whatever it is, IPSO, and see who has what trademark. It's not difficult, so I'm surprised that no one did. I mean, I guess this is the same company, albeit eight years ago, that tried to trademark or use Submission Sorority, and that didn't really last very long because they didn't realize it had other connotations to it. So, I mean, I guess I shouldn't be too shocked. <laughs> that was classic. Oh, Jesus, what a film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you know you know, you had to be there to know what we're talking about. Um, last couple of things here from AEW. I thought the show, I actually really liked the show last night, despite like there being no fans in attendance. The people that were there were very loud in Montreal. It was the same arena that we saw SmackDown and Elimination Chamber in earlier this year. And I enjoyed the show, the Continental Classic matches. I, I really like the prop. The problem with the matches is that as great as the wrestling is, they're all fucking predictable as shit. So there's just really not been any, a lot of interest there as far as like, Oh, who might win? It's pretty obvious. I think. Swerve is going to go over ultimately for his side over John. Um, Jay White can't. I don't. I mean, he still could technically, but Briscoe's not. Lethal's not. And the other side is kind of predictable too. But anyway, um, on, on last night's show, which I did want to mention, Christian Cage retaining the TNT Championship against Adam Copeland. I, I really liked the match. I thought they went in there and had a kick-ass match. And then the finish happened, which wasn't unexpected. Cage winning, I mean, is great. I'm, I'm glad he won. But, like, Nick Wayne's mom coming in and costing Copeland the victory, it makes sense because he bashed her son's brains in right in front of her. I get it. But, like, still, I don't want Nick Wayne's mom, Shayna, whatever her name is, on the show. I mean, I just think that's silly. Um, what were your thoughts on the match and how they kind of concluded it? I thought it was a good match. I thought it was a good match, like you said. I think the finish, like you said, not non-predictable, but I was just like, Jesus Christ. I don't know, I also just feel like th- like this big match, they had to blow it off on a random dynamite. I know they were in Canada, but yeah, that was, yeah, uh, that's I feel like why. it really should have been safe for the, for for our uh, for World's World's End, End. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I would have saved it. I would have saved it for a pay-per-view. I thought it was, like you said, I thought it was a good match, but 
the whole like the interference. It's not like I didn't see it coming. It just felt kind of off. Like I said, his mom getting involved. I just I don't know. To me, I don't love that, but it is what it is, I guess. Her acting was atrocious. I mean, again, I know I know why they did it. I guess it would have been even more lame if it was like Luchasaurus costing Adam Copeland the Kill win switch. or Nick Wayne. I'm sorry, Kill Switch, my bad. Kill or, Switch, please. Yeah, or the sure prodigy Nick Wayne. I, I got to get it right. It is Kill Switch now. Um, that would have been lame too. I don't know. I just would have, a, I probably just would have had Christian cheat and, and find some other way to win than fucking Nick Wayne's mom. So, um, and I didn't mean him winning by fucking. Anyway, I'll just move on. Um,. <laughs> Um, I, I did like the show overall, though. I thought they had a good match, and they, they probably will do more matches. They will do more matches. Uh, I don't know if they do it for World's End or soon after. World's End, they only had two matches announced. The pay-per-view's in three weeks, the 7th today, 2014th, 21st, 20th. So, yeah, three weeks from now. Um, I'm looking forward to the show. It's got Joe and MJF, but that's all we know. We know the finals of the Continental Classic are also happening. But that's it. So they got to start making... And I don't even know really what the matches would look like. I honestly don't know if they're going to do Christian and Adam Copeland again at World's End. They might have written off Adam Copeland last night with the way that Christian attacked him after the match. So I really don't know, but I guess we'll find out soon. Uh, one last thing on AEW, though. It came out earlier today, actually, from Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, that Andrade... I mean, I don't know how he doesn't know this, but um, he thinks that his contract is up soon to the AEW, which was always my assumption. I don't know the inner workings of AEW, but he did arrive in early 2021. I mean, he was gone for a while with an injury, so that might affect things, which it usually does with this company, but he was gone last year, but prior to that point, though, he had debuted in May of 2021, and usually it seems like Tony Khan will sign people for three-year five uh, three-year deals or five-year deals. I would think he signed a three-year deal, and it sounds like he may have, so it sounds like, and he probably just went right to the dirt sheets to say this himself because he just wants to get the fuck out of there that he thinks his contract might be up and he wants to go to CMLL and the possibility that he goes back to WWE because once he goes back to WWE he can't work CMLL and he won't be welcome back or something like that whatever the report indicated exactly so he might go back to CMLL for a little while and then maybe go back to WWE if they want him I can't imagine they wouldn't not that Andrade is going to be the world heavyweight champion but his wife works there his father-in-law working for AW probably isn't enough at this point, considering the wreck that whole situation is. Um, I'd like to see Andrade back in WWE. Would he have any more success there than he would the last time? I don't know. He was a former United States champion. Probably not. That's probably the right role for him at this point. Um, but he ain't doing much in fucking AEW. He's doing the Lana thing with CJ Perry and Miro. I mean, that's just... That gives me Bobby Lashley 2019 vibes. I mean, it's not the exact same thing, but it's just stupid. Um, anyway, I think Andrade going back to WWE is uh, kind of inevitable, along with people like Malachi Black and probably Keith Lee at some point as well. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, I think if his contract came up and he left, I mean, like, so I, I think with Triple H in charge, I feel like he'd get a better, I mean, I think he was in like that Dragon Lee spot right now, I feel like he could be thriving. Um, I just also feel like when he was here last time, he was kind of like under the Vince regime. He had a decent little run, it just wasn't overly great. But I think with Triple H running it, I feel like we could see, uh, See more out of Andrade. Did they give him back the banger theme song? Is the question. Oh please. Ah, I don't. With CFL being gone, I'm not sure they would probably give him new shitty music. But that last song was great, though. He used that for such a long time. What was it? El Idolo. Is that what they say at the beginning? El Idolo. Uh, I can't even, <laughs> honestly, now I don't even remember. Now that you brought it up, fucking prick. Hey, maybe he can. Uh, maybe he can reunite with Zelina. Oh 
Jesus. Then she can leave the LWO. She's great, though. I will say, we've talked about this before. She is great in the LWO. This is probably the best year of her career. And I loved her in the managerial role. She's not the best wrestler on the roster by any means. But, you know, she's competent. She's obviously good enough. And she had that match with Rhea at Backlash, which was a fun match. But she's been really over as a babyface. So I'm not sure if I would move away from that anytime soon. Maybe down the road, though, depending on the Andrade situation. Yeah, down the road right now, I'd keep her as a babyface. She's really good in that role. Maybe, uh, I don't know, Matt. Would you pair up Charlotte with Andrade? People have been saying that forever, but I just don't see the on-screen chemistry with the two. But maybe just knowing that they're actually married in real life would be enough for people to get people to care about that or to make it work. I don't know. Anything anything different with Charlotte would be welcomed, I guess. (laughs) Than her going after the championship for the upteenth time. And and Bianca as well. (laughs) I love Bianca, but the fact they went right back, that damage control shit on SmackDown was just stupid. I'm like, dude, why are we going back? What was the point of War Games then? I have no idea. Ridiculous. Uh, last thing here, NXT deadline predictions for this weekend. Kickoff, they just announced this the other day. Axiom versus Nathan Frazier, a rematch from Tuesday's show, a match that was interrupted by the women's brawl. Um, this should be a really fun match. Nothing on the line here. Kind of reminds me, was that was it Frazier and Axiom? I'm trying to think. Like Axiom and somebody had like a series of matches. It might have been Frazier. I, was gonna say, I think it was Nathan Frazier. Was it these two? They had like a best of four or three or five series about a year ago. I think it was these two that I think, it now that I think about two. it. Okay, so they they know each other very well, and they had a lot of fun matches at that point. Um, but they're running it back on Saturday. Uh, I don't know who wins here. I'm going to say Axiom wins because it seems like they might be turning Nathan Frazier heel, but I'm not 100% positive on that. Who do you think wins? I'll go with Axiom. I mean, I like both guys. I like Axiom as well. Um, like I said, maybe they'll turn Nathan Heath, Frazier heel, lose the air, and then we kind of get that heated up. So, I think it'll be a great match. I feel like I said, they faced each other multiple times and like kind of like these like high-flying extravaganzas. Um, but I- I'll go with Axiom here. Yeah, I think he's actually due for a main roster call-up, personally. I know he made that appearance on SmackDown against uh, Dragon Lee a few weeks ago. I-, I don't know if he goes to SmackDown. They already are- have a lot of masked people as it is. Not that you need a quota on masked wrestlers, obviously, but... Uh, they already have Cameron Grimes on that show, and they're not doing anything with him. So I would probably put him on Raw, um, I, so that, which is why I would have Nathan Frazier go over, but maybe this is their way of building up a feud between the two. I'm not sure, but I'll go with Axiom as well. Steel Cage match, Kiana James making her singles debut on a uh, NXT PLE against Roxanne Perez. They've done a really good job of keeping Roxanne busy. I mean, her consistent character direction has been great because they've kept her busy in feuds outside of the title picture. Uh, for example, she worked with Blair Davenport for a while. They had a match at the Great American Bass Show. She wasn't on the No Mercy show, I believe, but she is back here, and she was involved in the ladder match where she lost the championship back in May, or April, rather, over Mania weekend. But, um, yeah, she's facing Kiana James here. She did beat James in that Halloween-themed match at Halloween Havoc a few weeks ago, about a month or so ago. So I think James could win, but I just... James is fine. She's improved. I think Roxanne Perez is just a bigger star. If you want to put over Kiana, then cool. But I just think Roxanne should probably win this. Uh, but what are your two cents? No, I like Roxanne a lot. I think, like you said, it just really depends on what they do with her. I feel like she should be in the Rumble and maybe call up soon after that. Mm-hmm. Maybe right after WrestleMania. So, um, like I said, she already beat her. So it's like I feel like there's a chance that James could beat her, like get her win back here, and we get like a blow off third match. I'll go with James. I feel like Perez should win, but um, I wouldn't hate to keep it going. So they're not really have any like set plan for her right now. 
it's kind of like these mini feuds. So yeah, um, I I would just I, I'll go with James. At some point, I want to see Roxanne and uh, Lyra Valkyria. I think that'd be the match to do. I don't know if we've seen that yet before. I don't know if they turn Roxanne or attempt to do so because she's just a natural babyface. But you know, AJ Lee had a bit of a heel run in her back in the day, and she kind of reminds me of a modern day AJ Lee. So it's possible. I don't know how well she would fare in the role, but. At some point before she gets called up, which should be soon, I, I don't think she was ready earlier this year, but after Mania next year, she should definitely be ready, in my opinion. Roxanne Perez, that is. Uh, we get to the Women's Iron Survivor Challenge match, with the winner earning a feature NXT Women's Championship opportunity. Tiffany Stratton, Kalani Jordan, Blair Davenport, Lash Legend, and Fallon Henley. Some fresh blood in here, some new blood, fresh faces. Uh, Fallon Henley advancing on Tuesday's NXT. I honestly, I gotta be honest with you, I don't really think there's a clear-cut winner here Tiffany Stratton feels like the favorite, but I feel like they might go with someone else, which is why I'm going to throw it to you first. Who do you think goes over here? <laughs> all right. I knew this was going to happen. I looked at all the matches. It's the one that looked like it was going to be the toughest one. I'm going to go with... <laughs> and I knew you would do this. Yep. Classic GSM fashion here. I'm going to go with Davenport. Like you okay. said, I feel like Stratton's such the favorite that she's not going to win. They like Davenport a lot. She's a heel. Makes sense against... Uh, Against Lyra, I mean, no to Lash Legend. Fallon Hanley's good, but not great. I feel like Davenport makes the most sense. I like Kalani Jordan a lot, but she's also a babyface. Mm-hmm. I just don't see it happening right now for her, so I'm going to go with Davenport. I think it's got to be Davenport. Stratton, I, think, well, I would not be opposed to, just because we haven't seen her in Lyra since that Battleground show that we were at, actually, which is where Tiffany became champion. So they can run that back, have Lyra avenge the loss to Tiffany, and at some point they could still do that, maybe at their February PLE or something, uh, before Mania, and then have her get called up right before Mania or after Mania. I could certainly see Tiffany in the Rumble regardless. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with Blair Davenport as well. I think we haven't seen her in Lyra yet, and if we did, it was a while ago. I don't think Blair takes the title, but uh, you know they should probably keep the belt on Lyra for a while at this point. She just won it, so I think Davenport's going to win as well. Men's Iron Survivor Challenge matchup. Same thing. Uh, you know, there's some favorites in here, but I mean, there's a couple people I could see certainly winning. So we got Braun Breaker, Trick Williams, Dijak, Josh Briggs, and Tyler Bate. Josh Briggs is kind of the Lash Legend of the matchup. Lash Legend, I'll give her credit. I'm not a big fan of hers, but, you know, I think she's fine, but she's just not great in the ring. She picked up Otis like it was nothing on Tuesday, and that was really impressive, so I got to give her that. Josh Briggs, I think, has more potential. He had a really good match with Carmelo Hayes about a week or two ago. I was kind of surprised. I'm like, well, I knew he had it in him because I've seen him on the indie scene before, but I kind of forgot how good Josh Briggs, Josh Briggs actually is when he's not doing the countryman bullshit stuff. Uh, I don't think he wins. Dijak was my guy at one point as far as winning because him and him and Ilya had that great match, that last man standing match that we were there for back at Battleground. I don't know if I see that. Tyler Bate is great. I just I don't see that either. To me, it's got to come down to Braun or Trick. But uh, I'll give my prediction after you give yours. Who do you think goes over? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm going with Trick. I mean, that's who I think. I don't know. I I like Trick. I think it makes sense with the story telling with him and Carmelo. He gets a title shot. Um, Yeah, I think I like like Braun Breaker, but I mean, mean, just call him up at this point. Jesus Christ. Yeah, seriously. Uh, They got to call him up, yeah. So I'm going to go with Trick. I'm going to go Trick as well just because he has the built-in connection with Ilya. Ilya's already beaten most, if not all, of these guys. I don't think he's ever faced Josh Briggs, but he's beaten Jack. He beat Trick a couple, a couple months ago when they had their match on TV, which was a great match, actually. That was kind of Trick's breakout performance. Uh, and, and he beat Braun on TV a couple months ago as well. So they've done all those matches, but like I said, the, the story there is with Trick. That's how Trick kind of became popular in the first place was by 
facing Ilya and looking great in defeat. So running that back for the championship, and maybe that's where we get the Carmelo turn finally, where Carmelo cost him the championship, and then we get his big heel turn going into Mania season, and they could do the match at Stand and Deliver or something like that. Um, speaking of whom, Carmelo Hayes is on the show. They just announced this match soon after. Carmelo Hayes against Alexis King, makes, making his NXT PLE debut. Um, this one could go either way. I feel like it's a slam dunk that Alexis King would win because it's his first NXT PLE. I feel like it would be dumb for him to lose here. I could see them having Carmelo win because he has lost a bit lately and they might not want him to lose again. I'm going to go Lexus King, though, because I think having Carmelo continuing to lose and build up frustration is the way to go. And if you want people to take Lexus King seriously, he should probably win here. I'm literally, like, if I could just say what you just said. And <laughs> Copy repeat, and paste. I'd do it. I, like you said, I just feel like if you want his momentum to keep going, he has to win. Um, keep, like you said, also with, with Melo, just another loss, kind of keeps building up his, like, eventual turn. Um, but I would have uh, Lexus King win here. I agree. Uh, we get to the NXT North American Championship match. It was supposed to be Dirty Dominic Mysterio defending against Wesley before it came out on Tuesday from Wesley himself. He's hurt. He has to go undergo back surgery. I don't know how he suffered the injury. He had that fantastic four-way last week on the show. Maybe it was during that match or he had an injury. I'm not sure. But he's going to be gone for a long time. I think Meltzer said or PW Insider said maybe from... 8 to 12 months, possibly, which is a long fucking time. That's such a big blow for him and the NXT roster and whatever. Replacing him, and I love this idea, is Dragon Lee. Now, it is strange because you have a Raw superstar and a SmackDown superstar fighting for an NXT championship. So that is a little strange. But I love the idea of the match because we talked about it a while ago. I was always surprised they never gave the belt to Dragon Lee. They had Dominic cheat to beat him months ago at Heat Wave, I think, on TV. And they ran the match back on Raw, and Dominic won that as well. I always thought Dragon Lee would be the guy ultimately to beat Dominic. And um, I, I think that's going to happen. I don't know if you do three matches between them and, and Dominic wins all three. I think we're getting a new NXT North American champion. I know he's a SmackDown guy. He might, it might be short-lived. But um, I think Dragon Lee's taking the championship here with with uh, Rey Mysterio in his corner. Yeah, I agree. Um I mean, is Ray going to be on fucking crutches with an amputated leg? Um, yeah, that is weird now that you mentioned that. It is very, I didn't even really think about that. That's so strange. So, um, but no, I, th- I think, like I said, I don't think you have him face him three times just to lose to him again. So, I, I, I think uh, Dragon Lee's going to win here. I still keep him on SmackDown. I think maybe it's just like a little thing to prop him up a little bit because um, he has lost a decent amount lately. Um, but having like the NXT North American Championship can definitely prop him up a little bit. Do you think there's a possibility that Dragon Lee is about to win the championship after already beating Santos to advance on Friday in the U.S. Championship Tournament? Because that's happening on SmackDown. Do you think Dragon Lee could avenge the loss to Santos there from Survivor Series? And then at the NXT Deadline Show, Santos shows up to beat the shit out of Ray, distracting Dragon Lee, and Dominic retains again. I think that could that, that could happen. It is possible. I'm still going um, with Dragon Lee. I thought Santos was going to win, so I, I wasn't going to say that. Yeah. But if you have Dragon Lee win, then yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, if, if Dragon Lee wins, I'm kind of thinking he might. I'm thinking Dragon Lee will pull out an upset. Um, I don't know if they have him lose twice. So I'm going to go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with my idea. I think Dragon. I'm fucked. Then I would have. I don't know, man. No, then Dominic wins then with your idea. Dominic does win. Then what happens then? Hmm. Poop. I'm going to go. Dominic retains. Actually, I thought Dragon Lee would win. <laughs> I thought Dragon Lee would win, and I want him to win, but now that I say that, I feel like that makes more sense. Because then, again, if Dragon Lee wins the title, then he's on SmackDown. I don't really know. Yeah, but Dominic's on Raw, so what's the difference? 
But then Dragon Lee's got to go work NXT now for a little while. At least Dominic has already been working NXT. He should probably lose it to an NXT guy, is my point. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll just go with Dominic too, whatever. <laughs> hey, but listen, when Dragon Lee wins, I'm not going to complain because I kind of want to see that happen. So, I'm looking forward to the match, though, because their last match was great. Uh, main event, Ilya Dragunov, Baron Corbin, NXT Championship. I feel like it's a slam dunk. Ilya wins, but i got to give him credit. I love the feud. Baron Corbin's been great on NXT. I've always really enjoyed Corbin, but, you know, up and down with their booking of him and the characters, which has been god-awful over the years. And we even talked about him earlier this year. He just kind of felt like he just existed on the show after JBL dumped him. He was just on the show wearing basketball shorts. It was probably the lowest point of his career. Um, but he's really turned himself around. He looks great. He's got the great entrance. He's been having really fun matches. And I feel like these two are going to go in there and have a great fucking match. Um, but either way, though, I think Ilya walks out still NXT champion. No, I really liked what they've done with Corbin. I feel like being off WWE definitely has helped him. Um, actually kind of, like, re-get his own focus. Like I said, the last time we saw him on Raw with, like, the JBL shit was terrible. Um, but, like I said, end of the day, like what they're doing with him, but Ilya's going to win here. Um... I don't think Corbin should win. I think it'll be a good match. Um, but Corbin loses here. we got Ilya Retain, and like I, said, I like what they're doing with Corbin overall, though. It'll be interesting to see if Corbin sticks around, because he's already challenged for the championship once and lost to Carmelo Hayes, so I'm curious if they keep him around after this is over, after losing twice, or if he just goes back to Raw or SmackDown. And if he does, I, it'll be interesting, because I want to see this Corbin on the main roster and not that shit that he was doing previously, so... That's not guaranteed that they would, you know, have him go back to doing what he was doing or, you know, have him continue what he's doing right now. But I would like to see it because I think it's a waste of Corbin to have him go back to being just jobber fodder on the main roster. At that point, just stay in NXT. It's kind of like, I mean, you can make that case for Apollo Crews. Like, he kind of meant something in NXT, then he goes back to Raw and he's barely on the show and then he's just on main event. Like, that's a waste. But to me, I think Baron Corbin, although Apollo is a better worker and a better wrestler... I think Corbin is a better overall performer because he can talk and he kind of has the presence about him. Apollo is kind of in generic. And I like Apollo a lot, but um, him just doing jobs for other people on Raw doesn't really surprise me. I think Baron Corbin has a higher ceiling than that. He's not winning a world championship at this point, but I could see him as a pretty solid mid-carder on Raw or SmackDown with this character and with the right booking. And that's key because that's I don't know if that's actually going to happen on the main roster. Um, but that's going to do it, Mr. Marceau, for today's edition of WrestleRant Radio, talking all the latest in the world of wrestling. We'll be back next week, breaking down NXT Deadline and the Winter is Coming edition of Dynamite, in addition to whatever happens on Raw next week. We'll get to it as we get closer and closer to the end of the year, to Christmas, and most importantly, the 2023 Year in Review, WWE AEW Year in Review Awards. Vote right now over at WrestleRant.com. Don't miss it. Polls are going to close on the Wednesday before the 28th, which is when we're going to be breaking down the results and reviewing the results from the best and worst in wrestling in 2023. Mr. Marceau, brother, have a great rest of your week. I'll talk to you next week, brother. I'll see you tomorrow. Nope, oh, I'll see you tomorrow. What am I thinking? I completely forgot wow. about that. I've been I've been you hyped for SmackDown all week. I've been hyped for the show all week, and then I forgot I'm seeing you in less than 24 hours. That's crazy. I'm such an idiot. <laughs> God damn. Sounds good. Prep that shoulder for when I break it for when CM Punk comes out. I'll be right. See you tomorrow. See you. Join Graham, GSM Matthews, and RJ Marceau every Thursday as they run down their weekly wrestling rants, offer expert analysis, host exclusive interviews, and more. Subscribe today on all your favorite podcast platforms and never miss an episode of Wrestle Rant Radio.